welcome to the Little Man Big Mouth Podcast with me, Jonah. I'm a kid who loves sports. I can talk about sports every day, all day. Think you can handle that? Then stick around for today's show. Our guest will be Brian Mormon, a former NFL punter and a two-time pro bowler. But first, let's check out what's happening this week in the sports world. First, more drafts. Even though Major League Baseball may not have a season this year, the MLB still held its annual draft. The biggest winner, the Houston Astros. With all the talk about the MLB not having a season, everyone forgot about the Houston Astros and losing their first round pick because of the sign-stealing scandal. American football is back! That's right, the MLS will be having a tournament at Disney in Orlando. Will sports-starved Americans finally take an interest in soccer? Will this prove that Americans just do not care about soccer? In other news, J.J. Watt told reporters that he will take a knee this year. It's a position he is familiar with as he takes a knee after every missed sack. Strange news alert, a shoemaker in Romania was disturbed to see people ignoring social distancing guidelines put in place for the COVID-19 pandemic. So he created a pair of European size 75 men's shoes, which is a size 42 American. Each shoe is about two and a half feet long. The shoes have regular space for the feet, but then a long bill-like section that extends from the toe. The shoemaker said that the shoes are designed so that two people facing each other and wearing his shoes have to keep a distance of about five feet. This gives a new meaning to the phrase going toe to toe. Our next segment coming up is called Heroes and Zeros, hosted by my twin brother Gabriel. Take it away, Gabriel. Thank you, Jonah. This is Heroes and Zeros, where we look at the best and the worst of the sports world. Our zero of the week is Major League Baseball. MLB is a repeat offender, having been the zero just two weeks ago. Despite having every reason to be playing ball, baseballs too can't seem to get it right. The owners are greedy trying to give the players huge pay cuts as well as a shorter season. But the players want to be paid and play enough games to make it meaningful. The two sides won't budge, which means that that because of these zeros, baseball fans will be waking up at 5 a.m. to watch Korean baseball for many weeks to come. On the happier side, our heroes of the week are... Two teams from the Twin Cities where massive protests have been raging since George Floyd's death. The Minnesota Twins and Minnesota Vikings donated a combined total of $30 million to social justice campaigns, such as George Floyd Legacy Fund, which helped African Americans go to college. It's great to see teams investing back into the communities where they play. That's all for Heroes and Zeros this week. Now on to Stick by Your Picks. That's right, Gabriel. Our next segment is Stick by Your Picks. For those new to the show, Gabriel and I dissect the NFL schedule one week at a time. 
We pick our winners for five games each week. These are ironclad picks. That's right, we are very confident we will not change our minds or our picks, no matter what happens between now, between now and the game. Our lawyers have asked us to let you know that you should not bet your house on our picks. This is for entertainment purposes only. We are now up to week five. Announcer, tell us the first game. For our first game this week, Tom Brady and the Buccaneers travel north to visit the Chicago Bears. The Bears are an early one-point favorite. I think the Bucks will come away with the victory. Tom Brady, Mike Evans, and Gronkowski will confuse the Bears' defense. I will agree with this. you on this one. Tampa Bay is going to win this one. Tom Brady will have gotten used to playing with Tampa and will have gotten a game plan and will be ready to show the power of the GOAT. Announcer, what is the next game? The New York football giants travel to America's team, the Dallas Cowboys. Cowboys are a seven and a half point favorite. I will pick Daniel Jones and the Giants. I think Jones will beat Dak in his own stadium. I totally disagree. The Cowboys are going to win this one at AT&T Stadium. The Giants are going to still try to find their identity when Dallas has already found theirs. Announcer, what is the next game? The Seattle Seahawks host the Vikings and are three-point favorites. Kirk Cousins' 2-4 and four record with playing on prime time with the Vikings is not in his favor as he will also be feeling a 12th man as the Seahawks will take this one. I will agree fully with you. The Vikings have only one good wide receiver and that is Adam Thielen because Stefan Diggs went to Buffalo. Announcer, what is the next game? The New Orleans Saints host the Los Angeles Chargers, and the Saints are 10-point favorites. I think the Saints will crush the Chargers. The rookie quarterback will have no chance against the Saints D and Drew Brees. I agree. It will be a rookie versus a veteran, and the veteran will take this one at the Superdome, and it will be, won't be pretty. Announcer, what is the next game? Gabriel's Denver Broncos visit Jonah's New England Patriots. The Patriots are an early six-point favorite at home. The Broncos will win this one as Drew Lock and Loaded will not be stopped in Foxborough. With their elite wide receiver core and the running back duo Melvin Gordon and Philip Lindsay, the Broncos are going to steal this one in Foxborough. I highly disagree with you. The Patriots, it will be close, but Jared Stidham will beat Drew Locke. And Jared Stidham will use Julian Edelman. Even though if they lost Gronk, they will win. The Patriots defense will prevail. Bonus pick this week. Chucky and the Las Vegas Raiders visit the Kansas City Chiefs. The Chiefs are a 12 and a half point favorite. I'm going with Vegas. Vegas will lose as the Patrick Mahomes and the Chiefs will win this AFC West battle. I'd love to go with Chucky and the, and the Las Vegas Raiders, but I have to go with you, Gabriel. The Chiefs will destroy, it won't be pretty, and Las Vegas will just have to go home. 
that does it, folks. So stick by your picks. Now, unscripted. Some shows have a mystery crate or a fancy producer to give them content. Me, I have a lucky Patriots hat. I'm going to draw out some news and opinions from the week and give you my unscripted reaction. These are not just hot takes. They are in fuego. Our first one on the list. A social media video shows Lamar Jackson in a jet ski accident. Jackson is fine. But what is more likely to stop the Ravens this year? Opposing defense or Jetski? It is clear from last year that no defense has a chance against Jackson. They don't know if he's going to run or to pass. That Ravens offense is unstoppable. The only thing that could stop it is a jet ski. But let's hope that never happens. Next topic. A recent 30 for 30 focused on Sammy Sosa and Mark McGuire in their, rec- in their record-breaking home run year. Should they be in the Baseball Hall of Fame? I think they should be in the Baseball Hall of Fame. Yes, it was the steroid era, but we don't know who was using and who was not. Two of the best players should not be kept out while others who might have used steroids are, are allowed to get in. Now, a third and final unscripted question. Crocs or flip-flops? I think Crocs, because if you step in a pile of ants, yes, you will get bitten either way. But it's much easier to run away in Crocs or not get bitten because slides are more open foot and they're easier to get bitten. That's it for Unscripted. Next, my interview. My guest today is Brian Mormon. He was a punter in the NFL. He is also a two-time pro bowler. Thank you for joining me today. You're welcome. Thanks for having me. So how are you doing? I'm doing great. I'm doing great. I can't complain. So, uh, yeah, thanks. Uh, like I said, thanks for having me on today. You're welcome. So you had a long career in the NFL. When did you first start playing football? I started playing football in middle school. So uh, my middle school is a little different than some. Some start in fifth grade, some sixth. Ours didn't start until seventh. We actually called oh. it junior high. So I started, uh, started in seventh grade. And uh, up until that point, I played uh, soccer growing up and just t-ball and, and basketball and so forth. So just, just love sports in general. And, but I always had the desire to play football. Always wanted to, um, always wanted to play that sport and really wanted to be a quarterback more than anything. That was, that was really my real dream, but, uh, you know, things worked out differently. When did you make the decision you wanted to be a punter? Uh, you know, in, in high school, it wasn't really that. I, I just did that on the side. You kind of yeah. just like any high school player typically, although these days kickers and punters pretty much specialize from, from the time they start playing the game. So you, you see these, these kids going and doing these camps now. Uh, the, and that's their only position. They're just focusing on kicking or focusing on punting. Or, uh, but whenever I was coming up through middle school and high school, and I'm sure there's still a lot of punters and kickers this way too, but you, know, you, you did everything you could. So I, I played, played uh, quarterback. I was a free safety. I was a punter. I was a kicker. I did everything I could. I actually uh, also played eight-man football versus 11-man, being from a small town in Kansas. Uh, and so it was a little bit different game. And so we just kind of did anything you could. Uh, but so uh, eight against 11, eight against 11. So you, we only had, we had a small school, so we only had 20, I think four kids on the team. So 
Uh, and they still do this to this day. They still have eight man teams in Kansas, but you just, you, you only have, um, you have the center, the two guards and the two ends. You can split those ends out anywhere you want along with the running backs. Um, so you can have a, a fullback and a tailback or you can, you know, do, um, you know, a slot or something like that. And of course the quarterback. So uh, it's a, it's a faster game. It's only an 80 yard field and it's 40 yards wide. So a lot of points scored and uh, it was a lot of fun. It was, uh, it was challenging to, to get scholarships and so forth, you know, because, uh, you know, you're not playing the same game, but, um, you know, you did, we did, I got some looks. So it's just, uh, I ended up going on a track scholarship instead, but uh, really enjoyed the time. And, um, you know, my, my high school now is 11 man. So it's, it's kind of been lost since then, but it's, uh, it was, it was good experience. So you went on a track scholarship, not football? Correct. Yeah. Yeah. I, mm. I wanted to go football. Obviously I wanted to, no offense to your dad being a Jayhawk, but I wanted to go to K-State. That was mm. uh, my ultimate goal. And, uh, you know, it, and they were so good. Well, when I was growing up, K-State wasn't very good at football. Then Bill Snyder turned them around and they became, you know, uh, quite the powerhouse there for a while. And, yeah. um, you know, really wanted to go up there and play. And they offered me a chance to walk on as a punter. And I just, I worked too hard through high school to, to not have a, a sports scholarship. And I had an opportunity to go to a place called Bethany College on a scholarship as a quarterback, which is a small NAI school. Um, among other NAI schools. And, and then Pittsburgh State called me about track. I had a, a good track career in high school. And, and I went and visited that uh, campus down in southeast Kansas, Pittsburgh, Kansas, mm -hmm. not Pennsylvania, and uh, fell in love with it and decided, you know, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to run track for a year and then see where football, if they would allow me to walk on. And, and they did. And um, just happened to be that uh, I just, I actually fell over a hurdle, broke my wrist and was in a cast my entire freshman season of track. So I started kicking wow. again. And um, so I started kind of honing in on kicking, walked onto the team. They had about nine guys as kickers and no punters. So I decided, you know what, I, I just want to play. I want to be on the field. Uh, it was just kind of my mentality. And I said, I'll punt and I'll kick off. And, and uh, a buddy of mine named uh, Josh Vargas was the kicker. Oh. And Josh was a great kicker through uh, all four years that we played together. And I punted and kicked off that whole time. So just kind of worked out that way. And then, you know, the rest was history. So you so to speak. joined the, the Seattle Seahawks in 1999 as an undrafted free agent. What was it? Was it hard to make it to the NFL as an undrafted player? Um, you know, I think as a, as a kicker and punter in general is, is a lot of, you know, trying to, to make your own luck be in the right place at the right time, but also make, make the most of it. And, yeah. um, you know, being undrafted is always more difficult, but that being said, you know, I took, took my time. It took me three years to land with Buffalo. And, and in those three years, I had a great training camp. It was Mike Holmgren's first year out there in Seattle. And he pulled me aside, said he was going to put me on the practice squad, but uh, you know, those things never ended up kind of materializing. So they ended up sending me over to Europe, played, uh, played for the Berlin Thunder. Uh, for one year and then um, came back to training camp and uh, had a little injury so I didn't punt very well and then uh, my coach from Europe told me he was going to bring me back on his own so I went over as a free agent then instead of tied to a team so I got to choose what team to sign with when I got back and it um, had a really good workout with Buffalo and in the meantime St. Louis was trying to sign me at the same time and I had to make a decision while I was sitting in the office in Buffalo do I want to go try and punt in a dome or do I want to punt in Buffalo in the weather well, they had uh, another rookie in Buffalo, and they had two veterans in St. Louis. So even though I was going to get to punt indoors, it made, uh, made sense to me to compete against somebody who hadn't played before. And I had just come off of another really good season in Berlin, and, and uh, things went well. 
So, you know, I stayed in Buffalo for a very long time. How was playing in Europe? Was it really, was it cool? Like playing in a different country? It was, you know, the fans over there were awesome. You know, I I tell people all the time and and even whenever I got back was 10,000 fans over there is like 60,000 fans over here because of all the noisemakers. Wow. um, You know, they would use whistles and horns and everything else. It was super loud. It's like a soccer game. If you ever watch soccer over there and how loud they can be. So we only had the 10,000 fans come to our games uh, in Berlin because it was just starting in Berlin whenever I got there. I think it was only the second year that Berlin had it. Our team originally started in London moved it over to Berlin. So had you gone to, had I gone to Frankfurt or Dusseldorf or something, they would, they would pull in 35, 40,000 fans, but our 10,000 fans were, were pretty loud, which was, and they had a lot, and they, they really loved us being there. So it was a lot of fun and it was very fun culturally to be able to travel around and, and see Europe. Um, and, you know, kind of as my job, so to speak. So you played with multiple teams, including the Buffalo Bills, Dallas Cowboys, Pittsburgh Steelers and Seattle Seahawks. Which of those experiences did you enjoy most? Well, I, I mean, I enjoyed just the whole experience, but Buffalo is my love. I mean, that's, I'm, I, I bleed blue and red, and they're, that's my team. And I know you're a Patriot fan, but Buffalo is, is like another hometown to me. I love the people there. I love the fans. And not that I had a bad experience anywhere else. You know, I, I was in Dallas for a year. It was uh, kind of a transition phase for me, and then came back and got to finish my career in Buffalo. Um, you know, Seattle will always have a special place in my heart because they, they gave me the opportunity. Uh, Pete Rodriguez yeah. was a special teams coach there at the time, and I'll never forget him coming to work me out in Pittsburgh, Kansas, and, you know, going to lunch with him and, you know, him just, you know, kind of interviewing me and saying, all right, we're going to give you a shot and bring you out, and I, I hope I can develop you into a good uh, punter. And, and uh, you know, I, I owe a lot to him for that, and I've had some great coaches along the way um, that, that supported me and, and stuck with me throughout – throughout my career and um, you know Danny Smith was our first special teams coach and Bobby April uh, owe a lot too as well so I had some great coaches throughout the NFL and, and throughout my um, athletic career even my track coach that brought me to Pittsburgh State um, still a good friend to, to this day that I owe a lot to so I had a really good run. Speaking of coaches who was your favorite coach that you played for? Uh, well I, I, you know I just went through some of those special teams coaches because we, we deal with our special teams coach mostly uh, head coaches, unfortunately, I had a lot of them in my time in Buffalo. And, you know, as you know, being a Patriot fan, you guys beat up on us a little bit. Yep. So, yeah. Uh, but that being said, you know, I, I had some really good guys that I, I look up to, you know, uh, throughout the years. Mike Malarkey was a coach for a couple of years, really uh, enjoyed working with him. Dick Duran was a special person. I thought he was uh, he was probably um, didn't get a lot, a lot of credit because we didn't win a lot of games, but I, I had a lot of respect for him. Um, you know, and, and uh, even Greg Williams, when he was there, he was in my first three years, I thought was a great experience. He, um, he was great to me and gave me an, an opportunity, stuck with me through that first year that I was there very well, could have given up on me and, and did not. And uh, same with the, the special teams coach I had then, Danny Smith. But um, like I said, you know, and then, you know, going off, you know, Danny left and went, went on to um, Washington, but then Bobby came in and Bobby stuck with me and kind of really worked within my, my strengths. And that's when I made it to the Pro Bowl those two times. And, and uh, I owe a lot to him for that as well. You played with four teams in the NFL. Who are some of the best players that you played with or against in your career? Well, gosh, where do you start? I mean, they're, obviously, when we get in the NFL, it's like, the, you know, the best of the best. There's a lot of guys that don't get to play that are awesome, too. But at the end of the day, you know, I, I did play against some fantastic football players and, and great people, too. I think, uh, 
you know, I got to meet a lot of uh, good people, but, um, you know, hard to, hard to say, you know, playing against the Patriots again, I keep bringing up your team, but played against a lot of great guys there. Um, you know, punting against guys that are return guys. Like, like I, I think right before we started this interview, we talked a little bit about Edelman and how he was a good return guy. Well, Wes Welker before him uh, was challenging as well, but not, nobody quite as challenging as Devin Hester. Uh, mm-hmm. He was, he was something else. And, and um, Dante Hall from Kansas city was another returner that gave me fits. Uh, but uh, I have a lot of respect for him. So, those are the kind of guys I play against. That's who I look at whenever I'm going in to play games. Like, what's my challenge there? I, I don't really worry about the guys coming at me to block the punt so much as the guy that's going to return the punt. And so that's, that's the challenge. Um, so those, those names, you know, stand out to me. But then if you – just as, a, as a, a kid like you, a kid at heart that loves football and, yeah. and love, you know, growing up watching uh, and, and dreaming to be a quarterback, you know, I obviously watch the games and, and uh, a lot of respect for, for Tom Brady. Um, and, you know, obviously what he's accomplished. Um, but, you know, there's so many others, you know, I've, I've played with, with guys, uh, you know, Ryan Fitzpatrick is one of my favorite guys that, that I played with. He was a lot of fun. We, we had lockers next to each other. He's, you can see when, you know, he's got a lot of personality whenever he, and he can lead a team and he was great to have in the locker room, but so many friends I've had, um, you know, throughout the years and, you know, keep those friends as you, as you, uh, retire. But, um, it's, it's fun to see, guys that I've played with still playing. But uh, as I get older, that, that's uh, starting to dwindle a little bit. We're all retiring. So uh, what is a life as an NFL player like? We're just like anybody else. You know, I think what people um, kind of forget sometimes is that, you know, it, at the end of the day, it's, it's um, you know, it's our job, you know, and, and it's our job to go in and, and do what we're supposed to do. And, you know, we're blessed that we make a good, good living at it, some more than others, obviously. Uh, but, you know, I, I did, I was very lucky to be able to, I tell people all the time, I, I got paid to work out and stay in shape. Uh, that was, you know, so now after my life after football and, and business, and I find myself sitting at the desk all day or doing things, and I got to force myself to go work out. And it was, I didn't realize how lucky I was that I had, you know, had to get in and work out in the morning. And that was my job. That was pretty cool. But, uh, you know, but at the end of the day, we're, we're still human beings. We still, um, we take a lot of pride in our job and we take a, take a lot of pride in what we're trying to accomplish and, and making sure we're making our bosses happy and so forth. So, um, you know, but the, it is, it was a dream come true. I mean, I, you know, for a kid like me coming from a small town, I had 20 kids in my class and, you know, grew up in a town full of, of a thousand. I mean, my neighborhood now has more than a thousand people that I live in. So it's, it's kind of, it's kind of surreal to think that, you know, it, that happened in my life. And it seems like yesterday, but also seems so far away too. Like, I can't believe it did. So it's, it was, it was a great, great experience. So can you share a few memorable moments from your time in the NFL? Well, yeah, I mean, I can, I can remember, but I'll give you two really good ones for me, at least that I think about quite often is actually finally making the team and getting that phone call from my special teams coach saying, Hey, let's get to work. You know, and because uh, believe it or not, we didn't even really have I don't even think I had a cell phone when I got to Buffalo. And, you know, now we all have iPhones and everything else. But, uh, you know, I had to wait all day for that phone call. And my wife and I were up there and we drove up to Niagara Falls. If you're familiar with Buffalo at all, we, we said, all right, we're going to go to Niagara Falls. I can take my mind off of this and, and uh, waited all day. And I said, well, I'm not going to wait by the phone. Let's go do something. So we did that. And we drove back. I got back in the evening. And uh, 
you probably maybe you've seen this and maybe but it was a, an old phone in the in the room and it had the light blinking so i knew there was a message and uh it was i knew what that message was it was either hey come in and bring your playbook or let's get to work and thankfully coach was on there and said hey let's get to work and you know uh, give me a call. We got we got work to do. So uh, I knew I made the team. So that was a good moment. Uh, and then the probably the most memorable moment I ever had uh, was when I got the opportunity to come back and play and finish my career in Buffalo. They brought me back, and my first game back was against the Bengals. I didn't punt until the uh, there was probably like there was less than a minute I think left in the first half, and and brought me out, and the the crowd gave me a standing ovation. They were chanting my name. It was it was quite the feeling. And then, um, of course, my thought, like any punter, is like, oh my gosh, they just gave me this great ovation. Please don't shank this ball, <laughs> you know. And uh, and I hit probably one of my best punts in my career. It went. It was probably, I think my best hang time ever. It hit. Went out at the one, pinned them deep. Crowd went crazy. And um, you know, it was just. It, it gives me chills to think about it. How how the fans treated me and how much. How much I, I love them there in Buffalo, and, and uh, it's that that one's gonna stick with me forever. Wow, that's an amazing story right there. You played so many sports in middle school and college and high school. If you could play any other sport, what would you play? Oh wow, uh, I, there's not a sport I don't like. Uh, but that being said, I have a lot of you know I have a lot of respect for golfers. I think just the mental toughness and how difficult uh, it is and how much respect I have for them when I try and play that sport. Uh, and it, there's a lot of um, things that can be uh, related to kicking as well. I mean, you've just, it's very methodical and you've got to be the same uh, in a lot of ways in terms of your technique and, and making sure you're doing uh, the same thing each time. Just be very good with your technique. And so I think, you know, realizing just how good those professional golfers have to be to be playing on the weekends is, um, you know, if I could, I would love to be able to be that good, but um, lo and behold, I lose way too many golf balls. So there's not, that's not going to happen. But uh, like I said, a lot of respect for those guys. Well, they're, they're amazing. I'm actually a golfer. So yeah, it, it is very challenging. Focus it is on challenging. one yeah. thing, each swing. Yeah. Focus on one thing. And, that, you know, it's funny. I just had that conversation with somebody this weekend. And, and you could um, – and the, the key to that, too, you know, keeping your eye on the ball. And you can say that with almost any sport. And you can say that with just life in general. You know, keep your eye on that prize. You know, whatever that goal might be, uh, you know, just keep your eye on it and don't let loose of it because it will uh, – you, you'll be able to accomplish whatever you put your mind to. You've received so many awards. You were named to the Bills' 50th anniversary team and the Kansas Sports Hall of Fame. Of all your accomplishments, what's the most meaningful to you? I, I you know, they all have a little special place in my heart. You know, it's just, um, you know, having the the opportunity to, to, you know, just be recognized, you know, don't, I, just like I think probably anybody, I don't do it for the awards. It's just I just do it for love of, of what of playing the game. And, um, you know, you know I, I can't really pick out one that means more than the other. I look at them all and um, all the way down to, to a game ball that I got for, you know, playing against uh, the Chiefs or, you know, the. I mean, I can remember every one of those games. So, um, you know, it's hard for me to just pick out one. But uh, they're, they're all um, very honorable. Um, but I guess if I had to pick it out, it's probably more what, I, what I'd be recognized for doing off the field. 
uh, more than on the field. And that would be, you know, some of the uh, Walter Payton Man of the Year awards that I got by being part of the, te- you know, community service parts of, of, of our team, you know, and, and building our foundation that we, we uh, help children battling cancer. And that's, you know, I'm very proud of the fact that that's still going, you know, for 15 years later, uh, we're still helping kids in Buffalo uh, fight, fight their battles against cancer. So um, that's that I'm very proud of. Wow. So you're a retired professional football player. What are you doing now? I am. Uh, I own a real estate brokerage, a Sotheby's International Realty uh, Realty brokerage in in Ponte Vedra Beach, Florida. Uh, focus on luxury real estate and uh, high end homes, and uh, down in Florida, in Northeast Florida. And we have offices in four different uh, locations: one in uh, uh, Palm Coast, Florida; one in in Ponte Vedra Beach; one in Jacksonville, and one in Amelia Island. So uh, that's been something that's kept me very busy. Uh, just kind of happened organically after I retired and, and has grown and, and it's done well. And uh, seems like a lot of people want to come to Florida. So that's, that's good for business. Yeah. yeah. So, do you see yourself getting involved in the game again and perhaps maybe coaching? Uh, you know, I toss the idea around every once in a while. I have a 10 year old boy and um, coaching takes a lot of time and a lot of hours and, um, that, you know, I have a, a lot of respect for what the coaches put in the time and the hours and the, um, everything that they do, but it's not really in the cards for me, uh, unless maybe after I, I'm, you know, after, after Cooper gets you know, out of high school or something like that, then maybe I would get into it. I did coach track for three years right after I got, right after I retired at the high school. I enjoyed that here locally in Ponte Vedra. That was a lot of fun. And then I just got too busy with, with real estate that it just, um, there was just not enough time in the day. But I do love coaching. Um, I've toyed around with the idea of maybe getting into officiating. I think that would be uh, be fun. Uh, you know, obviously, I think you can never have enough good officials. I think yeah. most people would argue that the officials aren't that good. But I have a lot of respect for them. So I, I think it would be fun to get into that. But there's, again, not, not enough time in the day. So um, to answer your question in, you know, in a long way, but in a little shorter now, is yes, I can see myself getting back involved in the game. I just don't know when or how yet. Would you, what advice would you give a kid like me if they want to play sports at the highest level? I think just keep your eye on the prize, you know, and, and dream big because don't, don't let anybody tell you what you can or can't accomplish. Uh, you're going to have people that, you know, will say, oh, you know, I, I'll give you an example. When I was coming out of high school, I had a friend of mine tell me that, hey, my friend's a coach at this junior college, and they said it's really hard to, to, to be a kicker in college, you, you know, just make sure he understands it probably won't happen. I'm like, Oh, okay. Um, and another example for, for you, even when I got to that next level, I went to, then I, so I, I was like, all right, I'll prove that guy wrong, which, you know, whatever. And then, and went through college um, and was in my second training camp then with Seattle and had a player tell me, cause they were in camp with me the year before. Cause I was in camp with them two years in a row. That player came up to me and said, Hey, you might want to start thinking about how long you want to chase this dream. Uh, because, uh, you know, it's not easy to make it in the league and just, you know, be, make sure you focus on, on things that you want to do that, if, you know, when football doesn't work out, I just kind of took me by surprise. I'm like, really? Okay. And so I didn't ever let that affect me. So I guess my, my point being is don't let somebody, somebody else dictate what your dreams are going to do and what you're going to accomplish. Just make sure you keep your eye straight ahead, have tunnel vision and, and uh, work on reaching those goals. Uh, that, that you've set for yourself. That's amazing advice. Thank you. Yeah. Um, 
So thank you, Brian, for, I really appreciate you being my guest today. And as part of every interview, I ask my guests a short rapid fire quiz. And I give you two options. You choose the best one you like. Are you ready? Sure. Let's go. Here we go. Marvel or DC? Marvel. Cats or dogs? Dogs. Star Wars or Star Trek? Stars or Star Trek? Star Wars or Star Oh, Star Wars. Oh, Star Wars. Star Wars for sure. Being inside or outside? Outside. Car or motorcycle? Car, for sure. Motorcycles Chair are outside. Chair or couch? Chair or couch? Yeah. Uh, couch. Basketball or baseball? Basketball. Well, baseball. That's a tough one. Gosh, you got me stumped on that one because I, I like to play baseball or uh, play basketball and watch baseball. <laughs> Pool or the beach? Beach. Netflix or Disney Plus? <laughs> Netflix. Hot dog or hamburger? Hamburger. Good job. <laughs> Thanks. I got one last question. You got it. My listeners really want to know what is your highest score in bowling? Bowling? Bowling. Oh my gosh, I have no idea. Um, I think I broke 100 once. Is that good? I can't yeah. remember. You know how long it's been since I bowled? Hmm. It's been a long time. Uh, yeah, I think I, 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 you know, I don't know. What's, what's a good score? 200, I think. I don't know. I, I've, I haven't, I broke 100. It's got to be, yeah, I, I, uh, I you know, you know I, it has been so long. And now I've got to go bowling. <laughs> i got to go see what I can do. Yeah. Next time I go bowling, I'll text you my answer. I look forward to that. Thank you very much for doing this. I really appreciate it. Yeah, well, thank you for having me. I love talking to Brian Mormon and learning how to never give up on your dream. Now, what would sports talk be without lists? Bupkiss. So, here is my list of the day. Based on the popularity of last week's top five superheroes on a football team, here is top five superheroes I would want on my basketball team. Number five, Hawkeye. He never misses a shot and can hit from anywhere. Number four, Captain America. Throwing his his shield around will be the ultimate defender. Number three, Ant-Man. He can shrink himself and get under the rim and grow large to block the ball. And I know this is superheroes, but here's an exemption, a supervillain. Number two, Magneto. He can make the, the hoop as big as he wants it to be. And number one, Groot. Best all-around player. He can stretch an arm and dunk to the, to the other side of the court without even moving. All right, thanks for joining me for this edition of the Little Man Big Mouth Podcast. Check it out. Check out our next episode when it drops. Until then, see ya. You can find the Little Man Big Mouth Podcast on your favorite podcast service. Listen, subscribe, and review to let others know how much you love the show. You can also follow us on Instagram, Little Man Big Mouth Show.
This has been a Hefeweizen podcast production.